0: Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Monday, November 2nd. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. Over the weekend, Trump insiders reporting the president will allegedly try to claim victory early on election night, even though full results will not be known until all votes have been counted in each and every state. Meanwhile, a ballot battle already being fought in a number of states now spilling into Texas, where 127,000 votes are at stake in Democratic-leaning Harris County. And President Trump suggesting he may fire one of the country's top infectious disease experts, even as the coronavirus crisis grows worse here in the United States. More than 231,000 people now dead from coast to coast. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. After months of campaigning, there's just one more day until Election Day, a record 94 million Americans have already cast their ballots according to the U.S. Elections Project. Both the Trump and Biden campaigns working frantically to get remaining voters to the polls tomorrow. The finish line is just hours away.
1: We're going to win four more years in the White House, our beautiful <laughs> weather. It's time for Donald Trump to pack his bags and go home. President Trump
0: going all out this weekend, holding nine rallies in six states, including Iowa and Minnesota, and planning five more today, hitting many of the same states. Overnight, the president holding a large rally in Appalachia, Florida, with zero social distancing. The event extending past midnight, breaking Miami-Dade County's curfew, a measure enacted to curb the spread of COVID-19. During that campaign stop, the crowd started chanting. Fire, Fauci, fire, Fauci, fire, Fauci, fire, Fauci, fire. And the president responded, appearing to suggest he would do just that.
2: Don't tell anybody, but let me wait till a little bit after the election.
0: They were referring to Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading expert on infectious diseases. Over the past few months, Trump and Fauci have been at odds regarding the pandemic. Meanwhile, more than 94 million ballots have been cast ahead of Election Day, over two thirds of 2016's turnout. Although Joe Biden is ahead in early voting.
3: Guess what, Mr.
4: President, I'm coming for you.
0: Some experts say Trump could win the Election Day surge. Axios reporting that the president told confidants he'll declare victory on Tuesday night if it looks like he's quote unquote ahead.
3: Very nice. a winner were declared on November 3rd.
0: But even if there's a projected winner, we won't know the official result that day.
2: We've actually never known the results of election night on election day, and this year won't be any different.
0: Now the White House is reportedly adding a layer of protection. A non-scalable fence is expected to be placed around the entire perimeter of the White House. The fence comes as police and other officials are getting ready for possible protests related to the 2020 presidential election. Many businesses near the White House have already boarded doors and windows, fearing civil unrest after election day. President Trump and Joe Biden will be in key battleground states today. Biden in Pennsylvania and Ohio, Trump in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina. Former President Barack Obama also campaigning in Miami tonight. And on election night, Trump is planning to host a party for 400 people in the White House East Room, despite his hopes having that gathering in the Trump International Hotel due to COVID-19 restrictions. And with millions choosing to vote by mail this year, a federal judge is ordering the U.S. Postal Service comply with its own so-called extraordinary measures for ballot delivery. Those measures were announced by the agency on Friday in response to previous judicial orders. Now, U.S. District Court Judge Emmett G. Sullivan is getting even stricter amid evidence some ballots are not getting delivered on time. Judge Sullivan is ordering postal leaders to spread the word to staff that these measures are mandatory. He says the USPS must use the express mail network for ballots traveling a long distance. Meanwhile, moving on now, a federal judge in Texas is deciding the fate of over 100,000 ballots that were already cast at drive through polling sites. This just one day after the state Supreme Court had already rejected the Republican led effort. Edwin PT has the details from Washington, D.C. Edwin, what do we know?
1: That's right, Andrea. This has been a very clear message by the Supreme Court in Texas to Republicans in that state. Over the weekend, the Texas Supreme Court rejected a GOP bid to void more than 100,000 votes in largely Democratic Harris County. Authorities in that county had opened 10 drive drive-through locations where voters pull up. Poll workers confirmed the registration and ID, then gave them an electronic tablet to cast their ballot. It is what Harris County called a safe and secure method to vote amid the pandemic. However, Republicans were not happy with the decision and decided to appeal that in a federal court. As we speak, Andrea, a federal court in Texas continues to hear last-minute arguments by Republicans Three of them, Texas candidates who want to get rid of all drive-through ballots in the county, an action many activists are describing as a way to suppress voters in Texas. But Andrea saying in Texas, the FBI is also investigating the action of Trump supporters who harass a boss from Joe Biden's campaign. A Biden campaign official described Saturday's incident as an attempt to slow down the bus and run it off the road as he was heading from San Antonio to Austin. Staffers on the bus called 911, which eventually led to local uh, law enforcement assisting the bus to its destination. Now, President Trump described his supporters on that incident to be patriots and took to Twitter to say the FBI should be investigating terrorists, anarchists, and groups such as Antifa that are born in cities run by Democrats. Live in Washington, D.C., Andrea, back to you.
0: Thank you. Edwin Fitih reporting from Washington, D.C. In other election news, this caravan of Trump supporters slowed traffic in the New York City area on Sunday. A spokesperson for the New Jersey Turnpike Authority says they blocked a northbound traffic on the Garden State Parkway. A witness reports seeing them get out of their vehicles to shout and wave flags, while a freelance journalist in New York captured video of about 300 vehicles continuing into New York City. They tried to stop traffic on the Mario Cuomo Bridge, but New York State troopers intervened. And a Black Lives Matter rally in Graham, North Carolina, was broken up by police with tear gas Saturday as protesters tried to get to the polls. The I Am Change group had planned to march to the polls when police moved to disperse this crowd. Graham police claimed the gathering became unsafe and that the protesters refused to listen to their verbal commands. Police say they didn't spray chemical irritants on the protesters, but aimed at the ground instead. Meanwhile, thousands of people who have started new lives also have the right to participate in this political process, but don't even know it. And that's why an organization is trying to let them know by promoting awareness. Peggy Carranza has the details from New York City.
5: The vibrant neighborhood of Harlem in New York City is the focus of Nancy Sicardo's work with the organization A Little Piece of Light. Are you registered to vote? Full of energy, she registers voters who, many times, don't know they have the right to vote because they were imprisoned. When you tell me I can't vote, I'm going to believe you, because I'm beat down. The system has beat us down for so long, but they need to know that they do have a right to vote. It's normal to have doubts, considering 11 states have a strict laws on the matter, according to the National Conference of State Legislatures. But New York is not one of
1: them. Some laws change, and an executive order in New York allows for someone who has completed their time in prison and has completed the, the sentence of their felony to once again get that right to vote, they would just have to re-register.
5: Reinstating the right to vote to previously incarcerated people has gained momentum in recent years, with many states passing new laws or taking executive action. That would give them a voice, like Nancy has, upon release. It's a wonderful feeling, and I want everybody else to have that feeling. You know, because when you walk out of that voting poll or when you you fill out that, that ballot, you know, you feel like you're making a difference. To her, they just need to make themselves heard where it counts. In New York City, Peggy Carranza, You News. As pre-election tensions are rising in several cities
0: across the U.S., a group of voting rights activists are training people in de-escalation tactics. Their goal will be to defuse potential disputes arising at polling places that could prevent people from casting their vote. Joining me now is the person leading that effort, Rhea Thompson-Washington. She's the National Democracy Manager at the Center for Popular Democracy. Thanks so much for joining us today on U.N.E.W.S. News, Rhea. Welcome.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: So we hear that you've trained 500 people so far. Talk to us about how this initiative started.
2: Yeah, so actually I've trained over a thousand people now in key battleground states. And the way that it started is um, after the, um, during the primary season, we were paying attention and listening to what folks were asking for, what kind of support they needed. We listened to our affiliates in battleground states in Wisconsin um, in Georgia and Arizona and Florida and and Pennsylvania, and they told us what they were worried about. And most of what they were worried about was um, that people would be, um, there would be potential harm, escalating violence at the polls, and we wanted to be able to provide people with some hope. And so to do that, we um, thought about like teaching community members um, how to de-escalate simple um, do some basic de-escalation and basic security of their um, comrades and their members in the community to make sure that we can um, protect each other and everybody has an opportunity to vote freely safely and fairly
0: you were describing now some of these tactics that you're teaching people so Mm -hmm. talk to us about some of the possible scenarios that people might face there
2: yeah so the thing is, is that we already are experiencing these. We don't, we're not m- just waiting for election day. Um, as you, uh, was just mentioned in the previous report, um, on Saturday, there were people who were um, pepper sprayed on their way to vote, right, to march to the polls. Um, we saw in Philly that there has been increased um, police presence um, all around the city um, in response to up, um, uplift and unrising um, as a result of police violence and brutality. Um, in Arizona, there have been um, increased police presence and sheriff officers. At, and the reason that this is um, something of note is because uh, in some communities, especially black and brown communities, um, we don't always have the most best relationships um, with those uh, with police officers and law enforcement. And so we want to make sure that um, we recognize that as community members, we keep keep each other safe and so um, to keep each other safe we can teach ourselves how to do that um, using the tools of mediation that we already use every day in our regular lives using the tools of conflict um, dissolution that we already use in our everyday lives and most of it is Um, just being kind and having a conversation and trying to listen to people express their frustrations and give them somewhere to refocus it and redirect it so we can make sure that everybody has the opportunity to cast their ballot.
0: Rhea, at polling places there are poll monitors, which are different from the poll guardians Mm -hmm. that you're training. Talk to us about this difference.
2: So the difference is, so poll monitors, um, they provide information, right? They can tell you about whether you're in the right location. Um, They can tell you about some basic election laws and talk to you about, um, like, maybe can help even advocate, for example, if you were supposed to get a provisional ballot and you didn't. Um, The poll monitors who are trained, um, who respond to 866 our vote the election protection hotline, they're wonderful and they're fantastic. Um, and so what we wanted to provide was a supplemental program to them so that while they're doing the work of ensuring that voters have all of the information they need, that we can have escalators who can help them um, navigate through tense situations when they arrive. Um, we know that COVID-heightened protocols are going to make it just difficult for everyone and so we want to be there to say hey we can we can we can solve this issue we can work together we can be community and, and mostly we can provide hope because we've seen the turnout for this election is legendary because so many people wanted their voice to be counted um, and we want them all to be safe when they do that
0: that's right. More than 94 million ballots cast already. Thank you so much for your time, Rhea Thompson, Washington, at the Center for Popular Democracy. We will wait and see what happens tomorrow and also during the next couple of weeks. They will be very important. Yep. Thank you. Take care and have a great day. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. And Univision's Vota Conmigo or Vote With Me campaign was created to ensure that all Latinos who are eligible to participate in the presidential election do so. Tomorrow is the final day to vote and we encourage everyone to go out there and exercise their rights.
5: Estas elecciones son muy importantes porque más de 32 millones de Latinos somos elegibles para votar. Eso quiere decir que somos el grupo étnico más grande con derecho al voto. Se parte de una de las decisiones más importantes para todo el país. No volvamos a cometer los errores anteriores y salgamos a votar para que nadie decida por nosotros. Tu voto cuenta. Nuestro voto cuenta. Vota conmigo. Vota conmigo. Vota conmigo.
0: And welcome back to UNews. News. The U.S. now reaching nine million cases of coronavirus, a million of those added in just the past two weeks as cases rise in almost every state. Lorraine Gassadis has the latest.
3: On Friday, the United States breaking a global record, reporting more than 99,000 new cases of COVID-19, the largest number of infections recorded in a single day by any country in the world.
4: Things are getting worse around the country. I think Thanksgiving is really going to be an inflection point. I think December is probably going to be our toughest month.
3: On Sunday, positive cases dropped to about 81,000. Deaths currently surpassed 231,000 and more than 47,000 people nationwide are hospitalized.
1: We're going to see uh, not just the cases continue to escalate, but we're going to see uh, perhaps 2,000 deaths per day uh, two or three weeks from now.
3: El Paso, Texas is struggling. ICUs operating at 117 percent capacity. Deaths from COVID-19 are getting so high they're adding a fourth mobile morgue.
6: The resources have been strained to, to the breaking point.
3: Right now, every state except Nebraska and Delaware are seeing a rise in cases. In Utah, a statewide alert was sent to all residents on Friday as the percentage of positive tests hit a record of 18.17% and a whopping 72.5% of the state's ICU beds are occupied. North and South Dakota marking two straight months of the highest positive cases per capita, while New Jersey has now reported more than a 1,000 cases every day for the past 15 days. Meanwhile, in New York police breaking up two large Halloween parties that were in violation of rules set by health officials. One at a warehouse in Brooklyn with nearly 400 people. The second was a costume party in the Bronx where few of the 550 people were wearing masks. Governor Andrew Cuomo announcing Saturday that most travelers to the Empire State will now be required to show they've tested negative for COVID 19 three days before they arrive and upon their arrival. The U.S. Surgeon General Jerome Adams says a vaccine is coming soon, but until then, Americans should try to protect themselves.
4: All indications are that we will have a vaccine uh, by the end of this year, that it is going to get worse temporarily, but we have the power to limit how bad it gets and the power to turn it around. We've got to get serious here, people.
3: Meanwhile, the uh, chief of the World Health Organization, Dr. Tedros, announcing that he is self-isolated, isolating after he was in contact with someone that contracted the virus. Also, we're learning from analysis of new data that uh 10% of the world's cases have been among healthcare workers and about 1,500 nurses have died worldwide. Andrea, back to you.
1: Thank
0: you, Lorraine. Some shocking numbers there. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your World in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to
3: you. They don't know when they're gonna be able to go back to work.
1: Victims also from Mexico and
3: this mass shooting.
5: Officials in and out of the residence. We're gonna continue fighting. U
0: News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. Besides sharing almost 2,000 miles of border, Mexico and the United States share a complex and interconnected relationship, which is why many in Mexico are carefully following every development in this 2020 U.S. presidential election. Paulina Gomez explains.
6: Mexico, perhaps uniquely, has a lot at stake in the race for the White House as the clock is running out in the 2020 U.S. presidential election, which is why the U.S. electoral process is being watched closely on the Mexican side of the border. If Biden wins, I believe there will continue to be great pressure to stop migrant caravans, to lower migration at the northern border, but I think the manner, the tone in which it is done, will be different.
3: They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, Rapists. Despite so Donald
6: Trump's efforts targeting migrants, the border wall, and threats to tax imports, some Mexicans still believe that their country will be fine if Trump is re-elected. It hasn't been that bad, the peso remained at the same level and we have trade agreements such as the t Others see an imbalanced relationship and a lack of respect from the United States toward Mexico. No Mexican, no human being likes to be called a rapist, a thief. To that you are not like. The two neighboring countries have a complex and deep relationship, with a million people crossing the border in both directions every day, and Mexico now the top U.S. trade partner. And while Mexican President Andrés Manuel López Obrador has carefully avoided publicly interfering in the race for the White House, the governor of Michoacán called on people of Mexican descent in the U.S. to vote against Donald Trump. It is a great opportunity to end a long night, a long and dark night of racism, hate, persecution, offenses, and inhumane abuse towards the immigrant community. Mexico's federal government has admonished the governor's appeal, claiming he is interfering in foreign affairs and it's none of his business. Regardless of whether the Democratic or the Republican nominee wins, migration, border security and trade, our matters are likely to be at the top of the next U.S. administration. Paulina gomez in Mexico City, UNIUS.
0: Meanwhile, back on this side of the border, the state of Arizona will be one of the keys to capturing the White House. Joining us now to talk about the importance of that state is Stephen Nuno Perez, professor and chair of the Politics and International Affairs Department at Northern Arizona University. Thanks so much for joining us today, Stephen.
4: Hi, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: So according to the latest Univision poll, Vice, uh, former Vice President uh, Joe Biden is leading in Arizona by five points. President Trump won the state by three points back in 2016. What are the odds of Arizona turning blue this November?
4: Well, you know, expectations and and hopes are very high in Arizona for the Democrats. They really think that this is the year that uh, they will uh, hand the state over to, uh, to the Democratic nominee at the presidential level. Um, it's also very significant that there's a lot of a, a lot of anticipation that uh, Mark Kelly will win uh, the Senate seat, which making both Senate seats Democrat. We've never quite seen that in Arizona before.
0: Now that you mentioned this, the Senate race between Republican Martha McSally and Democrat Mark Kelly is also heating up. Kelly is leading McSally among all registered voters. That's 51 to 39 percent, according to this poll from Univision. Talk to us about the significance of this Senate seat going to a Democrat.
4: I mean, uh, we have not seen a Democrat in the Senate uh, since uh C in uh, 1995 uh, was the last time. Um, obviously, Kristen Sinema, who won in 2018, having two uh, Democrats uh, in Arizona as, as senators is, uh, I, th- I think, unprecedented. Um, I think Carl Hayden was a Democratic uh, senator, uh, but I don't think he overlapped with uh, Deacon Sinai. So um, this, was, you know, especially if you think of 2010, uh, I don't think the last time that the Democrats won a presidential election uh, in Arizona was Truman. Um, in terms of getting over 50% in 1996, uh, Clinton won uh, the state, uh, but that was because there was three candidates on, on the ballot. He did not break 50%. So uh, Biden would be the first Democrat to break 50%, if so, since, uh, since Truman.
0: The young vote could tip the scale for Democrats, but in Arizona, enthusiasm of younger voters for Democrats is actually slightly lower for Biden than in other parts of the nation. Talk to us about why this is happening.
4: Well, I think young folks get a bad rap, you know, because one of the things is that we measure a lot of enthusiasm and participation um, by voting. And, you know, that's one metric. But uh, in, in our polling in Arizona, we're looking at almost a third of, of young Latinos, 18 to 29, are participating in protests, um, which is higher the highest of the, the age groups. And so um, they're participating. Um, but, you know, perhaps maybe, you know, folks should, you know, maybe ask you know um, why aren't they voting? And and that's probably perhaps because of the system itself is not responding to what young people are are, are you know are asking for. So um, they're participating. You know they're talking to family members. They're they're helping to to register folks. They're they're protesting. Um, the, the the difference between the young folks uh, and the old folks is the old folks are doing less of the protesting, less of the other activities, um, but they're showing up on election day. So they're, they're just different modes and types of political participation that's going on between the age groups.
0: And now just very, very quickly, there are many battleground states that we have to monitor in this election. How crucial is Arizona for either candidate to get to the White House? Very quickly.
4: You know, right, yeah, right now, Arizona, it's possible they can be a tipping point uh, state. And and if Arizona goes, uh, so will go the presidential election.
0: All right. Thank you so much. We have run out of time. Thanks so much for your time, Professor Steven Nuno Perez of Northern Arizona University.